Aloha. Today's episode is brought to you by the Western Extension Risk Management Education Center, USDA NEFA, and the University of Hawaii College of Tropical Ag and Human Resources, and the Livestock Extension Group, as well as the University of Nebraska-Lincoln Center for Ag Profitability. Yeah, aloha and welcome to the Livestock Balaao, a podcast aimed to provide educational support, information, guidance, and outreach to our livestock stakeholders in Hawaii and the U.S. We are your hosts, Meli Oshiro and Shannon Sand. Today, we are speaking with two people. Dirk Charlson is the extension educator in the area of digital ag and Yijie Zhang, a precision livestock extension specialist. Both are from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln and have expertise in different areas of agriculture and technology. Thank you both so much for joining us today. We're very excited to have you. Yes, thank you guys so much for taking the time. Um, I guess if you want to just start a little bit, take turns, Dirk and EJ, to tell us a little bit about how you became in Extension with UNL and sort of what your programs are about. So yeah, I'm Dirk Charlson, and I started in my current role in January of this year. So I haven't been at UNL for very long. Um, My role is a statewide Extension educator for digital ag. And so what I'm responsible for is to help teach um, everybody in Nebraska about precision ag and digital ag technologies. Prior to joining UNL, I was uh, teaching precision ag at a two-year college, uh, Central Community College in Hastings, mm-hmm. Nebraska. And I've also been using drones uh, for aero, aerial crop scouting and drone education since uh, 2016. Wow. Uh, my name is Yi Jiexiong, like Shannon pronounced perfectly. I'm a faculty member and also as an extension specialist in precision livestock management at, uh, in both departments of animal science and biological system engineering at UNL. Um, so how did I become um, involved in extension is because I always have a passion to deliver and transform uh, information that I learned to a broader audience, like, for example, future students and also future agriculture workforce, as well as the livestock producer in Nebraska. Prior to uh, my current role, which I started in during the pandemic in 2020, and prior to, to joining my current role, I also had extension experience with University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, nice. where I got my degree. And um, so I was a graduate assistant to help my um, PIs or to help my professors to conduct a program called livestock Certified Livestock Manager Training. So in Illinois, every livestock and poultry facility that has more than 300 animal units are uh, required to take this certification. And I was helping them. I helped them for two years, which I prepared a lot of, and that a lot of materials and that kind of opened my door and also got a little bit understanding of what extension entails and how useful that was. So long story short, I enjoy my extension new role um, affiliation. (laughs) <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Okay. UGA, can I ask a couple more questions about extension and what all you do? Because I was like, I think, you know, this is a, again, kind of primarily a livestock focused podcast. So it's like, I heard you talk a little bit about what you did at the University of Illinois, but are you doing something similar like in Nebraska or regionally here or in the process of developing that since you're 
you're still kind of new to extension then for the most part, or at least this system, correct? That's correct. And I'm okay. really glad you asked the question, Shannon. So um, there's some similarity, but mm-hmm. but I would say that my current role with uh, Persistent Livestock Management in Nebraska is very, very new and innovative as well. Oh, cool. So um, what it takes is, so first off, not only that I'm new, but the Precision Livestock uh, Management Extension Programming is very new. Oh, yeah. Not only in Nebraska, but I I think. Nationwide. Um, that's a pretty new. I, I, it's topic. not something I've heard a whole lot about, but I'm very excited. So yeah, <clears> sorry <throat> not to cut you off. <laughs> no, no, no. You, you, you helped me to complete my sentence. That's exactly correct. Is I know a few similar colleagues are working in the research and teaching area, but I don't know many people are working in extension programs that specifically for precision livestock management. Mm -hmm. And this is really a great opportunity because we can incorporate newer technology and um, to teach our folks and where they are, what are currently available and what they may consider using. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's my current focus. And I think I think uh, to to try to complete answering your question, Shannon, is that comes with my uh, agricultural engineering background. So even though I am in housed in animal science, but mm-hmm. my background was uh, agricultural engineering. So all three degrees, and that entails instrumentation, sensing, mm-hmm. and because my program was always tied with animals, livestock animals. Mm-hmm. So basically using those technology to provide their desired environment and try to get a precise response to tell us better about what they're experiencing mm-hmm. and what we can help in aid the management decision for, from producers and also the, the animals need. So is that kind of, I know that there's some research done here where they're te- they're looking at like if the animals heat stress, because like for that, like a few we had a few different weeks here over the summer where it was well over a hundred. So is some of yours related to that? So it's like about better management and handling in relation to some of those things potentially, or. Mm, let's say, I think like heat stress is a good example. It's not yeah. something I'm currently working right now because my research has a beef cattle focus, which is pretty challenging to do in open lots. Yeah. Um, but you are targeting a really good um, direction or purpose for regardless of what responses we're trying to get, either is heat stress or uh, let's see what else stress, biology stress. and Right, anything. like just greater efficiencies in general. Is that kind of what you're looking at? So I'm like, right, right. I'm, I'm imagining like in Hawaii, like like on Big Island, some of those, like when, when they move them around, Mele, help me out here. Yeah, no, I, I'm like really excited when Shannon, when Shannon shared with me, your sort of your background and your program and you're talking about precision, very precision um, technology and then Dirk, when she talked about the drones, I was like, this is right up the alley that I like really start to look at and want to share more information with our producers yeah. because I feel like sometimes they're, they're usually, so typically in Hawaii, a lot of our large producers or even the smaller producers, this is a second job for them. 
you know, mm-hmm. so this isn't the main source that's bringing in income. It's an additional, it's either a family operation that they're running. So is there technology we can help them uh, introduce to them that can help minimize the labor for them, right? And sort of be mm-hmm. another laborer for them out mm-hmm. there, you know, whether it's just making sure everybody's going to water every day, you know, by using EIDs or mm-hmm. some type of technology uh, that's out there. And so I'm always curious about what news out there. And how these folks can apply it to them. So, and, you know, being in some areas that are quite remote that they maybe can't access all the time yeah, or it's hard to get to, you know, and it takes it, it takes the day to get out there to that herd um, mm-hmm. or things like that, you know, so they don't, won't check them every day, you know, because they well, just can't sometimes too. You, just, you can't get there, yeah. you know, by getting there every day. You, that means you eliminate doing anything else, um, which y'all know there's lots of responsibilities <laughs> in running your operation. So they kind of sort of have to pick so that's where I'm like I'm, I'm really interested to see sort of you know there's so much I feel like new technology has come out within the last 10 years um, or even more five three precision, yeah. um, livestock management opportunities with the different technologies that are out there is just very very intriguing for me I'm always curious to hear what you know how we can use those things the drones have been on my mind for a long time from when I yeah got we've been talking about doing drone um, training for quite a while yeah and when I first got introduced to you know and learned how to fly one myself that that was like man you know just all these little things go off in your head but you can do this with it you can do this with it you know and just so that's kind of where I'm like really curious on both your programs like what do you see as far as um sort of economically um advantages for some of the technologies that are newer out there that these producers could really take advantage of and maybe are not you know even under aware that it's there right now Sounds like we need to go to Hawaii, Dirk. I, so, yeah. Actually, she's already been thinking of that, to be honest with you. You don't yeah. know it yet, but she's already looking for fun. Oh, yeah. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so, Dirk, do you want to chime in first for, for uh, Melowani's question before I, tie, I, 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 uh, I provide the livestock site? Sure. Um so what was the question again? <laughs> I know I kind of just went long. Yeah. No, but I, I I'm curious no. to see sort of I know drones have been out there for a while and used a lot with crop um production and management. But how now? I mean, I I some producers I know I've been out there and I've heard some guys are bringing in their sheep. Mm-hmm. You know, you see all these videos. But what are what are the real app? applicable things that people can use with drones because there's some regulations that you have to have so i guess that's one point is what is what's the requirements in order for you to um fly which i know hawaii might be different from where you folks are um but in general there are some basic requirements that you are if you're going to own a drone and then how do you Mm -hmm. think people can you know wisely use that to help their operation so yeah to start out with on the regulations part um first thing that i try to remind people is 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 that drones are not toys, um, they're tools. And the Federal Aviation Administration or FAA, they consider drones uh, aircraft. And so they fall under the regulations of manned aircraft. So like when you get on a plane to go to Hawaii, um, the drones are under similar um, regulations. And so um, most of the producers um, ranchers and whoever's using drones in their farming operations, they need to have a license in order to fly the drone uh, legally. And so it's a pretty straightforward po- process. Um, they need to take a exam 
and that exam includes all the basics on aviation, weather, and, and that. It's a two-hour exam, 60 questions, I believe. And uh, once they pass that exam, that license is good for life. And then the only expectation is, is that every 24 months, you do some kind of recurrent uh, training. What this is called is Part 107. So if you ever hear Part 107, mm -hmm. that's what's being referred to. Um, is that uh, remote pilot or drone license that's needed. So uses. So once you got your license, because that's a key point, right? Yeah, have your yeah. license first. Uh, so once you have your license, what I've heard in the countryside is uh, ranchers have been using these drones to check fences, um, oh. see if there's breaks and those kinds of things. Um, also checking water tanks. Mm -hmm. um, so just fly out there and, and look at that. Some are using drones for counting cattle uh, so they can uh, use thermal cameras that can detect heat. Um, and so that's been done. So those are some things that I've heard out in Nebraska um, mm -hmm. that the drones are being used for. An area that's becoming really exciting is this idea of a sprayer drone. So a drone that can apply uh, pesticides. And so that's starting to take off. <laughs> lack of a better term, um, but to take <laughs> off in, uh, in the industry. And um, there's a number of researchers um, who are looking into, can we use these sprayer drones to control insects and feedlots? Mm. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, there's some interest in that. So those are those are some examples of how they're being used. And what's the average distance that you can fly when you're as a controller from your drone? What's I mean, it depends, I guess, on the size of them. But what are these like I think the phantoms and stuff are kind of the ones that I'm I'm familiar with. Yeah. But yeah. Um, those larger ones, what's the distance that these guys are kind of flying out from? So drones, they can fly a mile, two miles from you. But that's not the limitation. The limitation on distance is the FAA rules. And that mm. is that you have to be able to maintain visual line of sight. Mm. And so what I have found personally, you know, once you get to 1500 feet or maybe 2000 feet from you, you can't see it. Yeah. And so that's kind of the limitation there. There are things called exemptions that will allow you to fly um, beyond the line of sight. Oh, okay. And so this is something that is going to be really important in the ranching area, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because if you do want to go out and check those water tanks and, and find your herds, you're going to probably have to go a little farther than, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the thing, right? Some of the places like even like within this state or Hawaii or again, I think of any state from here west, there's a lot of well, and east, there's a lot of rural places in every state. Mm -hmm. yep. So like sometimes you got to go way out there to find stuff. So, yeah. yeah. And I'll add, if I may, I think another limitation is the topography. Yeah. That your places, I can imagine like Hawaii, like, for example, I see Shannon's background and <laughs> a lot of the times it's not the distance. But if you have a really hilly area that you're trying to get over or monitor, that's definitely going to be a limitation of drone. Right. Um, also, I think we are pretty much limited as of now. Uh, we're limited the drone discussion to beef cattle, right? Because mm -hmm. they're open lot. But if you're talking about swine and poultry production, 
and we're entering a completely different area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Has it been discussed? Yes, those smaller drones are um, discussed, for example, for uh, monitoring poultry productivity and counting broiler birds, those kind of mm -hmm. things. But there's a lot of headaches than uh, practical points right now for those species. Mm -hmm. For cattle, I think there's big opportunity, but uh, my my conservative engineering uh, <laughs> assessment is first off is gonna there's gonna be a lot of like limitation like flying drone to get mm -hmm. data without yeah. losing or crashing it. Yeah. Second <laughs> is if you want to have the real time monitoring, mm -hmm. then sure you need to have some sort of connectivity bridge between your phone or your right. controller. Third yeah. is. When we fly in drone, we have to be consider considering the potential impact the drone itself can do to the cattle. So, for example, there's sound sensitivity. I was going to say they're loud. Let's just they say are they're louder. Exactly. <laughs> At least the ones so, I've heard, they're loud. Exactly. So you don't want it to... Uh, so there's a lot of consideration, but... Yeah, I would, oh, you would almost have to desensitize the animals to it. Exactly. Like, yeah. Especially you don't want it to fly over to uh, newly born calves to spook them. And then that would be having a chain effect from the cows and stuff. And you don't want to do that. Yeah. So I think drone is still a very new area for both researchers and also the ranchers. But there's mm -hmm. a lot of opportunities. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we um, first started putting them out at our grass herd at the station. And we we're just kind of thinking they must think that that's such a big swarm of bees or something <laughs> coming at them. Right. But they, I mean, they did quickly sort of get used to the idea and you could just move them and, you know, increase in a and distance or decrease the distance from them after a while. And they were, they kind of just went about their own business. So they desensitized to it eventually, but yeah, that's a very good point because you can have quite a big disaster if you don't um, do that ahead of time. So, Oh, well, is there other, um, so there's so much technology. Like I know yeah. there's a lot of things, you know, um, folks. Well, here I've heard of, I, I know there's some research here being done with, and I don't know if either one of y'all are involved with that, the technology, but it's like electronic fencing for livestock. Yes. That's like there's a whole no area. Virtual like, fencing. Yes. yes. Yeah. I'm really excited about that because I know they're doing some stuff here, not like here, here, but down the road from here. And I'm like, <laughs> I've gotten to talk to the students that are working. I'm like, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. So, but that also yeah. has limitations right now. <laughs> so. so I'll chime in for that because okay. one big component of my research is oh. about <laughs> virtual fence. Yep. Um, yes. So I work with my colleagues in uh, agronomy department mm -hmm. and uh, also and other people in animal science. And they are more and more virtual fence products are available in the United States, but compared to the European Union. Be limited. And in Australia, I think I think the technology is definitely there, but then is the awareness from the public and also the, at their acceptance level and their implementation status is mm -hmm. uh, slower than European Australian and those countries. Um, and but I have to say that the the virtual fence application in other countries are primarily they're they're ranching dairy. Oh, okay. Yep. So like they have very different uh, dairy production system like us. Mm. 
Um, mm -hmm. So they have the need to track their dairy cattle yeah. and same as their uh, their, their uh, beef cattle as well, but more has been applied to dairy cattle. Um, so for us, we are having virtual fence product um, studies are going on in Goodmanson mm -hmm. area. Mm -hmm. And we're having plans to expand that study to Eastern Nebraska uh, Extension Center, Extension Education Pastures area. So what mm -hmm. we're interested in, not I think we, as you and I was speaking, we're over the testing if it will work. Yeah, right? it works. It yeah. works. Um, but now we're more interested in like, okay, what benefit can they bring to the cattle rancher? Yeah. And okay, it can hurt my, uh, mm -hmm. it can limit my cattle in a certain area. Like some people have the dog fence, right? The virtual mm -hmm. dog fence is similar idea. So we're more interested in can utilize can can utilization of virtual fence increase the grazing efficiency, reduce labor, and um, also does not create any welfare stress mm -hmm. and productivity compromised yeah. cattle. So we that is our focus for um, the to be to be begun studies at Eastern Nebraska Extension and Education Center. So, for example, test the efficiency on strip grazing, rotational grazing, and some of the really interesting behavior-wise, like cow-calf relations. Mm -hmm. Is mama cows going to have a bigger impact on calling their calves or mm, yeah. have a bigger impact on calling their mama? So yeah. that is really interesting research questions, but I think potentially it can be utilized by producers to better manage their herd um so that's about virtual fence currently the downside of virtual fence is i don't think is economically mm. appealing to most of our producers just yet yeah However, that was my question i was going to ask because that's <laughs> what i've heard is that it's the, it's the expensive cost is in uh, yeah prohibitive for them because of that so the, so the cost and the package uh, is is very similar among a few companies that are available right now. Uh, it's probably between a hundred a hundred dollars a sensor to one hundred twenty dollars a sensor. And unfortunately for for cattle, it's like it's not like you're having uh, you can have a few accelerometer on uh, like three out of ten. Mm -hmm. You got everybody's got to have one. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So the more cattle you wanted to manage at a time. Yeah. Um, it adds up the cost. Let's see what else. So and I assume it's probably got a subscription or something to go with it for software. That would be my guess. Right now is I think is uniform is a uniform format. It's like okay. we subscribe to Spotify or Apple Music. Oh, so okay. It's, yeah. It, it's the same uh business model in my opinion like everyone has their own subscription yeah. and the monthly subscription fee is yeah. very similar and so you need a also a receiving tower or something too from what i understand in order for those callers to work. So someone, I talked to someone a while back and when it, you know, I first had heard about it and stuff, but they were saying to some of the terrain, like here, because they're familiar with Hawaii, they're like a lot of our 
were kind of in valleys and gulches and stuff. I'm like, how yeah. does that, I mean, that would really affect it as well. So you probably either have to have more towers or. <laughs> yeah. So I really need to go to Hawaii. Yeah, you do. <laughs> so you are absolutely touching the basic and that's one of the bottleneck that is preventing a lot of the producers to start considering using virtual fence, not only because that color itself costs, but you have to have that network connectivity infrastructure in place before you can use it. Well, it depends on what kind of avail- cell. Well, for example, we have Ethernet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Wi-Fi, cellular, and these are the three very major uh, network accessibility that you may consider. And then we also have the Starlink, uh, which is a very fast growing and cut this out because <laughs> I think they are actually invented by Tesla. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say it's one of the like, yeah, yes. one of the must yeah. properties. So cut, so cut, cut this out when you're like yeah. doing. <laughs> and so I here. have a friend that lives in a very rural place, and like you have to, she had to get on the waiting list for like I think it, at the time I don't know what it is, but it was a year, and she got it. But like it's so fast, she loves it because yes. she works from home. So yeah, exactly. And then it was so like for example, the Starlink is super fast growing. Like technology, technology like this will complement the uh, limitation at a certain area Mm -hmm. Uh, and then depends on what kind of network provider you can find and maybe you can get locked out if you have really good seller service even though you don't have any other connectivity available but Mm -hmm. if, if none is existing and then that means you do have to have at least one tower receiving tower or multiple to make a mesh so those are some of the basic explained in layman term, but you're absolutely correct. That is the fundamental of using virtual fence. So is that why maybe it's more accessible in other countries then? Just more, like, I'm going to assume there's also probably more companies because I think there's only, I mean, I don't know, but the way I understood, there's only like three to five here, maybe 10 at the most. There's not very I many. I think here. much less than that. Much fewer oh, less than that. that. Sorry. Yes. No, you're good. <laughs> But in total, I think, let me see, I think totally globally, the actual available companies are maybe five to six. Oh, okay. well, a lot of starting up companies are saying like, yes, this is, we're going to provide this uh, product. But a lot of starting up companies also had the problem with delivery. Mm-hmm. So that is the issue. Um, but I think that's a good point. I do think that they have, because they're, city and cellular networks are much more consolidated than us yeah and also like i want to share a very interesting um story that i had was one of the, mm-hmm. the company's representative is um we were at a conference so i was i was sharing some of the survey results that i did for nebraska cattle producers and there is a demogra- demographical question asking me about their size so I just summarized that for example our feedlot a lot of people a lot of folks have more than 20,000 yeah and for our small ranches they have like hundreds easily yeah so I was talking with that company's rep and she's like I was stunned to say that number, to see that number, because 
our product package is limited to 150 cows. Yeah. And we don't have wow. producers that have more than that. So they have, that is the difference we have to conquer is the historical and cultural and practi- practical difference yeah. between U.S. and European is the management and production mode is so different. Mm. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Well, honestly, yeah. I just want to hear you guys talk about this stuff all day. So. I know. <laughs> I mean, and Dirk, I want to take back actually to what you talked about the drone spraying, because I feel like that here, I've talked to a few folks, you know, our remote locations here, like we just can't physically get tractors and sprayers to some of the areas. So I guess you want to talk a little bit about the sprayers and like how people have been utilizing it. I, my idea or my thoughts of utilizing it for not pesticides, but herbicides and controlling of weeds in pastured areas. We have uh, invasive spittle bug that's taken out a good thousands of acres of land already in uh, one region of the big island where I'm at. Um, And so those areas have literally turned from 90% forage grasses to 90% weeds in Mm -hmm. the past, you know, five years. So how do you think it, or do you think drones would be something that we could apply um, in that sense for weed control in our pastures? Yeah, I think so. Uh, So how the sprayer drones are used right now is applying herbicides. The companies that I've talked to, um, they kind of have a special niche. So like here we have spray planes and they can mm-hmm. do like 3,000 acres a day, right? right? Um, but then that's a $2 million machine that they're running. <laughs> uh, whereas a sprayer drone, it's a lot cheaper, uh, $30,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oh, that's, that's, do... that's way more affordable than $2 million. So yeah, <laughs> it's still a lot of money. It's yeah. still a new car nowadays, but yeah. But think of the, the number of sprayer drones you could buy for an air hog. A lot. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, that's how they're being used right now. Um, like I said, about 30,000 for, for one of the newer ones. Um, and it can only do about 300 acres a day. Um, and so that's a very small acreage compared oh, yeah. to, you know, 3000, but they have a specialty niche. So mm-hmm. these, um, companies, they're looking at areas where you can't get a plane in there very easily, you know, and, and there's plenty of those areas. The second part of it is, is that we can do selective spraying. Um, sometimes people forget that, you know, we don't always have to spray the entire field, right? right? We get these little weed patches. And so um, what we can do is we can go in with one drone and map the area. So look to where, see where all the weed patches are, and then take that information and load it into the sprayer drone to only go to those particular locations. And so that's where we see the sprayer drone. It's it's almost like a, a preempt, preemptive kind of or proactive approach for weed control. Mm-hmm. So. And, uh, I have a question, Dirk. What about like for those bigger spraying drones? What how how is their battery life? Yeah, that's what I, I was assuming. That was the limitation. Why it was three hundred acres potentially? Yep. So it's about ten minutes, ten or twelve minutes. So, but the batteries are as big as a textbook. No. Uh, so that's probably part of the reason why they can only do so many a day. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. But, you know, battery technology continues to improve. And mm-hmm. I think at some point we'll be able to go longer than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this drone that 
um, one of the more recent drones can carry about 10 gallons of liquid. Um, when they first came out in 2015, they, they only carried like a gallon. Wow. So we've come a long ways mm -hmm. in that technology. And I kind of feel like even though it's only a 10 minute run, the 10 minute run that it can do and the amount that it would do. Well, um, and if it could get into places areas. that you can't get to. Exactly. Yeah. I just yeah. think of how much hand spraying is done on Big Island in a lot of different situations, not just livestock, but just like yeah. orchard drops and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, and like you have to hike to get to some of those places. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I just feel like, too, like you're not putting a person out there to spray. Right. So the exposure to a person is also That's true. minimized yeah. in that sense as well. So. Well, as like Shannon said, we probably could sit here and ask you questions with all kinds of different <laughs> technology. But, you know, I feel like those those things that are, um, I guess, what do you see as technology um, for either of you in livestock production that's being used now pretty readily across more producers um, that you've seen that's been a real big benefit for them? Is there something that comes to mind when you think of the technology that's been developed? Or that would be good for them to potentially adopt in the future yeah. or will be like economical? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll leave it wide open. You can interpret it however you want. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. So I'll, I'll start, Derek, if you don't mind. Because um, I don't really have anything to add. So <laughs> it's, it's your floor. Yeah. So um, I, whenever I was, so I got, I got, ask this question a lot and yeah. the first thing came to my mind was always that uh, the founder of precision livestock farming or precision livestock management is a very established um, Belgium's professor mm. his name is Daniel Berkman and he talked to me one time he's like when he was a little kid he and his grandpa can name every one of their cows in their farm. Mm -hmm. um, but now, can you do that? Mm. Probably not, right? So I was going to uh, say we could, but like my family's operation is like 50 head or less, right? Yeah. So, yeah. But it's even not like, like a lot of the producers I work with have several thousand. So exactly. So that we have a growing uh, operation size, either your family owned or a big operation, like you mentioned. Um, so he said, like, the technology should always be considered an additional pair of eyes. Mm, I like that. So, to help in the human uh, side management. So you don't have to spend time on a tedious job, like counting how many will run through the cat uh, run through the shoot or trying to I'm losing my story but but you 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 guys what I mean mm -hmm. um so it should never replace the human need and it would never it would never do in my opinion mm -hmm. because human plays a super important yeah. role in control the quality so one thing came to my mind about that question is what has been more and more adapted than before. So think about EID. Mm -hmm. And EID stands for electronic identification device. So um, previously, we were naming them probably by some sort of really old-fashioned near tag, or maybe not, just by pattern of their coat. And then it became a uh, uh, ear tag products, right? 
And then now, like I believe almost every farm has their EID system. So you have that recon recognition uh, wind. And every time you run a cattle or you bring that one close to cattle, it tells you who or what number that is. And then mm -hmm. you can link it to different uh, need that you would have to do for productivity check, pregnancy check, all those kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think that has been more, that's a good example. Like we, and it, it is too commonly used that we forget that this is also technology. Mm -hmm. um, same with artificial insemination. Mm -hmm. um, same, similar storytelling. And I'm not in that ex expertise, so I'm not going <laughs> to explain <laughs> too much. But you see more and more operations are using that instead of uh, mm -hmm. doing manually collected uh, simmons. Yep. Uh, samples right so that are two examples of technology and what I want to say is one thing that I spent some time researching is GPS colors so GPS was not new anymore but in right in early 2000 that was still pretty new mm -hmm. and I remember that during that time if you want to buy a, a good GPS sensor it's probably going to cost you like $3,000 minimum. Yeah. And right now it's a really accurate and a lot more reduced size GPS. It's about $50 to $100, depends on what you need. And so those are technology itself. But mm -hmm. then what I want to say is also like combining two different technology together will make a lot of more opportunities. So for example, to track your cattle with a GPS collar in real time, we were talking about those different uh, network connectivity and protocols. So yeah. it combines those. It combines those two to make it real time possible or near real time possible that you can, if you have a really smart computer science student, they can build your own data uh, interface visualization. To fit what you need. Mm -hmm. So virtual fence is actually using that technology's internet of things. So basically we are having a lot of that going on. So those are some of the technologies that I can have in mind. And also like another thing people are using more and more is those automatic weight scale weight for mm -hmm. the weighing bucket. Mm -hmm. or With like the water or the feed in it. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So if like, um, so, um, well, I should not say the product name, but basically is individual, is the individual, uh, like feeding station and each, it takes some capital investment, investment, but for some farms that have special need or, um, they wanted to monitor individual cattle, yeah. uh, feed intake, water mm -hmm. intake, and that is more and more seen, especially in research uh, setting farms or a, a combination of mm -hmm. both. So each cattle will have their own ID. And when they approach to the gate and they will, the gate will open if this is the right gate for you, for, yeah. for that cattle. <laughs> if not, they would just be shut back. Those are, I've seen more and more and in both feedlot and also the ranch setting because we also have smart feeder for precision supplement 
supplemental mm-hmm. feed for renters. That yeah. is a big uh, thing. Uh, I've talked to a few out here that are interested in adopting that. Exactly. Again, yeah. Yep. And there's some interesting things to to consider too, because I think you guys know this also, like there's always a bullying cow yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they will try to, you know, like uh, push away all the others while eating the supplement block or supplement uh, feed. So mm-hmm. this kind of precision technology would really help because with the EID or RFID, the re- radio frequency ID, and they are individual animal um, restricted. So like yeah. if it's not your turn and if the if the the feeder knows that you have eaten already, sorry. It's not going to give you more feed. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So I think those are talking about, those probably cover a little bit about like what has been adopted more and more mm-hmm. into what are newer opportunities. Um, and I do believe some of the like drone or depth cameras or uh, virtual fence are mm-hmm. gaining a lot of interest. And with the advancement in technology, the cost, the size, the weight of those will all be decreasing. That's mm-hmm. um, I'm 120 percent optimistic about that. So mm-hmm. at some point it will be very appealing and not only the technology wise, but also the cost wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I must say, like, you can get those little air tags now, which are little GPS for like barely anything nowadays, you know, compared. But sounds like I might, you know, I've, I'm, I have a mom of two boys that are young now, but it sounds like I might need to get some EIDs that can prevent them from going into the refrigerator as they get into teenagers, right? And eat us out of house and home. But... That you might run into a lot of a liability. Yeah. <laughs> I do not recommend that, but you can not kidding. <laughs> uh, well, thank you guys so much. Yeah, um, thank you. you know, I mean, I feel like there's still a lot more we can learn, but it's good to get into the subject of talking about sort of technology that's out there and how it's evolved over many years and, um, you know, how it can really benefit a producer, you know, and be helpful um, and help us with current problems that we have going on with as far as managing weeds in our pastures or other things like that. So is there anything else you folks want to add or share about your programs or anything? Um, we have Do you have anything coming about. up in the next few months or the next year or so that you want to advertise that's online or? Yeah. Because this is like nas- nationwide. So, and we do have people. Well, we do have, I was going to say, we have, we actually have a decent number that listen from other countries. But yeah. yeah, we're quite yeah. shocked, but yeah. <laughs> so, let's see. First off, I'm hoping to go to Hawaii at some point. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll be working on that for sure. Sounds good. And Second is I do not have a good timeline, but uh, one of my students, we're trying to organize a virtual fence uh, field day that involves a few, that involves a demonstration for a few available virtual fence products in the United States Ooh. out mm-hmm. at Eastern Nebraska. Don't have a, a really specific, specific timeline because that involves students. Um, but we are hoping to get rolling sometime next year. Uh, so please, if you have any interest or if you are interested in the topic, just uh, watch for our UNL and website. And also like UNL has really good extension resource, including the Crop Watch mm-hmm. and also the Beef Watch. So 
highly encourage if you guys are interested in uh, technology focused contents and uh, every month we have good contents rolling out. Oh, very good. Yes, I'd definitely be interested. I'm sure Shannon will make sure I know when that's going up. We always look out for new opportunities to be able to get to programs that are near each other. So mm-hmm. anyway, but thank you guys so much again for joining us today. And yeah, I just, I feel like I've gained so much. I have so many ideas. I know. I'll I'm kind of like, well, we. Kinda, I'm kind of hoping we can bring you guys back at another point in time. Cause I was like, there's yeah. just so much out there now. So, yeah. you know, absolutely. Thank you for yeah. having us. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope our listeners found this informative and that it will be useful to them. Also, if you have not already done so, please be sure to fill out our feedback fest to let us know your thoughts about this podcast so we know what you would like to hear more of in the future. Yes, and make sure to follow us on our social media pages, the Livestock Follow Owl Livestock Extension Group, if you have not already, and be sure to visit the UHTTAR Extension website, as well as the YouTube channel, which will be listed in the show notes. Yep. And for additional information about this topic, see the show notes of the podcast and the description box of our YouTube page. Thanks for listening to the Livestock Vala Owl. Before we go, show some love for your favorite podcast. That's us. By leaving us a review anywhere you listen to this and then stay tuned for next month's episode. Yes. And thanks again to our sponsors, the Western Extension Risk Management Education Center, USA NEPA, the Livestock Extension Group, and CTAR and the University of Nebraska-Lincoln Center for Ag Profitability. Mahalo for listening. Thank Mahalo. you guys again. For Ahoyo. Joining. Ahoyo. <laughs>